The Old Testament lesson today is found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 and 22 through 31, found in the Old Testament of your pew Bible on page 590. Does not wisdom call and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way at the crossroads she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries out, To you, O people, I call and my cry is to all that live. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first act of his acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he did not, had not yet made earth and the fields or the world's first bits of soil, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth. There I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. Our New Testament lesson today is from John 16, 12 through 15, found on page 110 in the Pew Bible. These verses are part of Christ's farewell discourse in John. Most biblical scholars believe that John was written at least 50 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Its original audience is believed to be a community of Jews who believed in Christ and for those beliefs were being persecuted by the temple establishment. These early Christians desperately needed assurance that Christ was still present with them through the Holy Spirit, and his teachings still reflected God's will for their world. Now here, John 16, 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. 
the word of the Lord. Today is Trinity Sunday. Now, theologians throughout the ages have sought to explain the mystery of the Trinity, the concept of God in three persons, Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. For us, perhaps, the interpretation of John Calvin, the Reformation theologian, whose theology formed the foundation of the Presbyterian Church, is most helpful in piecing together this puzzle. Calvin says that the Creator is the wellspring, the beginning of all things. Christ, the second person of the Trinity, represents wisdom, the Word. And through his time on earth, Christ showed us how to order our lives. And the Holy Spirit is the enabler that interacts with us, bringing Christ the Word into our consciousness. It is through the Holy Spirit that we interpret and reinterpret the scriptures in order to understand God and what God wants us to do in our own time and our own place. Hence, we are Calvinist, reformed, and always being reformed. But the main question before us today is what relevancy does this sometimes opaque theological concept of the Trinity have in our world? In our world where advances in science outplace our ability to comprehend them, much less develop an ethical framework to deal with them. In our world where many countries still grapple in the throes of economic crisis. In our world that continues to be fractured by acts of terrorism, war, gun violence, and natural disasters, as evidenced by this week's horrific tornado that ripped up Oklahoma, cutting a wide path of death and destruction. The answer to the relevancy of the Trinity can be found in today's Gospel lesson from John. Here, relevancy lies with the Holy Spirit continuously at work in the world. The true reflection of God as revealed through Jesus Christ. In the text, Jesus assures his disciples and us that humankind will not face an uncertain and often frightening future alone. Note that the spirit as depicted in these verses is a bit different than the spirit in the Pentecost and the other biblical stories. Rather than enhancing a person's mystical relationship with Jesus 
or becoming an instrument of evangelism. Here the Spirit functions as the ultimate source of wisdom. The same wisdom that is celebrated in the Proverbs passage read today. The Spirit acts as a conduit for the Word of God, leading the community into right and faithful behavior. The Spirit guarantees that the words of Jesus will always be available as fresh words for all people, for all time, even our time. Changing circumstances and the emergence of new questions does require us to think afresh, to engage in disciplined conversation between the story of Jesus and our own story. We explore the places where faith and life intersect here at Chevy Chase through Open Forum, Focus, the Arab Lecture Series, and our Bible studies. Week after week, we seek to explore where the spirit of truth is or should be at work in our world. From my own experience, I can attest that one place ripe for the work of the Holy Spirit is the realm of medical science. In this field, Technological advances are outpacing society's ability to put them into workable ethical paradigms that maximize potential and minimize risks. You may have read, for example, that last week the Oregon Health and Science University successfully produced embryonic stem cells from cloned human embryo cells. This is the first time such cloning has been accomplished in human cells, although it has been done in other species, such as sheep, mice, cattle, and dogs. As you may know, cloned embryo cells, because of their capacity to mature into different types of tissue, have great potential. Theoretically, they could develop into immune cells for those suffering from immunodeficiencies, or it could be used to grow spare parts, new kidneys, lungs, hearts. Even though a far less controversial way of securing stem cells from adult cells is now available, last week's discovery raised anew the concerns about the possibility of human cloning. Although scientists believe that human cloning remains a technical impossibility that no one in their right mind wants to pursue, the ability to clone human embryo cells does bring us one step closer. While many countries have enacted laws prohibiting human cloning, the United States has not come out of the starting block on this issue. Thorny 
ethical issues are the constant companions of scientific breakthroughs. New discoveries, particularly in the medical field, produce societal disequilibrium by throwing us off our familiar ethical perch. We understand as a society that exploration, pushing boundaries, is the rightful domain of scientists, yet is, is the domain of an often disinterested and uninformed public to give meaning and dimension to the brave new world science discovers. Our government officials regulate and legislate largely in response to our collective will. Thus, it falls upon us to discern how that spirit of truth, God's wisdom, is directing us on such matters. We must pick up the challenge before us and encourage interfaith conversations about medical ethics so society can keep pace with technology. The political economic realm is another arena where the spirit of truth needs to enter our world. This was exemplified last Saturday as Pope Francis on the same day German Chancellor Angela Merkel visited, held what reporters dubbed as a sort of pep rally for economic justice probably mindful that the Chancellor's morning visit would garner world media attention, Pope Francis chose that very afternoon to condemn the world's idolatry of money, calling it our society's golden calf. He told the crowd of 200,000 gathered in St. Peter's Square that the world is not just going through an economic crisis, but a crisis of values. He explained that if investment banks fail, it is a tragedy and people cry, oh, what are we going to do? But if people die of hunger, have nothing to eat or suffer from poor health, that tragedy often goes unnoticed. Pope Francis said that a church claiming to advocate for the poor must fight this global mindset, must get its priorities straight. In other words, the church moved by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, must lift up the suffering of the poor and name the sin of greed. Now, intercellular medical advances and post-industrial economics pose new issues new dilemmas for society. Such issues were not social reality for Christians 
even a generation ago. Remember that Jesus says in the passage read today that he has other words to say, but the disciples cannot bear them now. Words of truth are unbearable in advance because there is no social context for such words until the need for them arises. That is why we need the Holy Spirit. In changing times, we are assured that the Word of God, Christ, still speaks to us. We believe that Jesus' ministry has the elasticity to span time and space through the interpretation of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. But still, we remain a bit skeptical, don't we? Because we know that much of the evil in the world has been done in the name of religion. How can we be sure we are discerning God's truth and not embracing some seductive worldly idol? For this assurance, we reflect back on the doctrine of the Trinity. Jesus tells his disciples that the spirit of truth reflects his teachings, which in turn reflect God. We know that the spirit of truth is present then if God is glorified and life-giving love abides. Life-giving love as revealed through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And the spirit of truth, according to the writer of John's gospel, is discernible only through a community of faith. An awake community actively engaged in the world and painfully aware of the world's challenges and complexities. But it is not enough merely to understand. If the Holy Spirit gives us understanding, then we are required to act. Knowledge is a prerequisite. It is only a starting point. After we examine our world through our lens of faith, for example, by attending Open Forum or Focus or the Arab Lecture Series, then we, through God's Spirit of Truth, are compelled to act in such a way that God is glorified, be it protesting in front of Rielco guns, advocating through, for the hungry through Bread for the World, supporting the efforts of women in Chicago to achieve self-sufficiency, or helping 
citizens returning from incarceration to reestablish their lives. Medical ethicist Margaret Somerville talks about canaries and coal mines. In the early days of mining, canaries were carried in mine shafts to determine the presence of toxic gases that would poison the miners. If the canary became sick or died, then the miners knew the environment in the mine was unsafe, that those who remained would perish. Conversely, if the canary sang, the miners would know that the mine was a safe, life-sustaining place. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, gives us, all of us, the wisdom to be the ethical canaries in our world bravely warning about the world's toxicities, its destructive poisons, violence, idolatry, discrimination, greed. But that same spirit of truth compels us to sing with joy when the world reflects God's life-sustaining love as revealed in Jesus Christ. Glory be to the Creator, Christ, and the Spirit, now and forever. Amen.